Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 1-31-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and three activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hey guys, Kevin coming to you with our weekly Finsider podcast. It's Wednesday night, we're back after a week off. I've got James with me. James, how are you tonight? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing well, and I've got Duke with me. Duke, how are you? Muy bien. Oh, so you're going all Spanish tonight, huh? After a week off, guys, if you are trying to figure out what happened to last week, the show got canceled because that's right when SB Nation was pushing out their um, their update to the site, and I didn't want to be having the podcast and the site getting changed at the same time and it just messing everything up. So that's why the show got canceled last week. So we are making our off-season debut tonight. So... Thank you for making it back to the show. Um, give us a call at 347-326-9461. Leave comments in the live thread like Keith is apparently doing, but not bothering to call in. Hint, hint, Keith. And uh, let us know what you want to talk about with the Dolphins. Um, as we get this started, the, the, the funniest thing that I have right now is that apparently the Jets are just trying to work their way through ex-Dolphins. Because apparently the um, front runner in their GM search right now is, or not their GM search, in their uh, offensive coordinator search, I mean, is Cam Cameron. So apparently they're going to go just backwards down our off, our head coaching line, I think. Um, not really sure what's happening there. But we, uh, they're, they're two head, they're two, if you want to give them two, uh, leading candidates, it's Cam Cameron and North Turner, both of whom have worked for the Dolphins. Now, this afternoon, it came out that the um, Jets have requested permission and received permission to talk to Brian Gann, Brian Gain, our assistant GM. So we're really doing well here in setting up the Jets with ex-Dolphins. Uh, I'm not really sure what to make of all that. <laughs> Huh. Don't everybody talk at once. It'll be okay. <laughs> so 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 is so so do they uh if they exhaust that route, do they start calling Shula and Jimmy Johnson and the like and see if they can come out of retirement? What do they do next? I think the next step is to try to figure out how to get Nick Saban out of Alabama. Because that would be the next step down from Cam Cameron, right? I mean <clears throat> Yeah. yeah. Gotta keep working backwards. It's a he little fits weird. That organization. What'd you say, Duke? That he fits that organization. Uh, <clears throat> he he does fit that organization. Terms, That's true. In terms of character-wise. 
but um, to go completely off topic now and do a completely left hook out of our um, Jets talk, we're going to swing baseball for a second because I know, James, you probably have an opinion on this. Baseball today announced their 2013 Hall of Fame class will have zero members. They're not inducting anybody in the Hall of Fame this year. So, James, you want to talk Hall of Fame baseball for a second? I I, I think that the reason behind that, I think everyone knows the reason behind that is is uh, due to the the majority of those players that were eligible being uh, suspected or directly linked to the the whole steroids era. Yep. And I kind of think that's bullshit because what are you going to throw out twenty years of baseball? I mean, what are you going to do? You're gonna you're gonna have to eventually decide whoever the best players were in that era have to go in because everyone was on steroids. Everyone that was any good was on steroids. It's just it just is yeah. what it is. Exactly. I think I think you have to at some point go the entire era was steroid era. So the greatest players were the greatest players of that steroid era, assuming that the vast majority of the non-greatest players were also using steroids. And maybe that's off. Maybe it wasn't the vast majority, but it sure seems like it. And at some point you have to just accept that the steroid users, the greatest of the steroid users were still going up against competition that was using steroids. I mean, my brother's favorite um, catcher, growing up was Benito Santiago and he's admitted and stated that he used steroids and he's in the uh, Game of Shadows book about um, Barry Bonds about using steroids so I mean he by no means is Benito Santiago ever going to be a Hall of Famer or be considered for Hall of Fame or anything like that but if a guy like that is using steroids and he's a in the middle pack type guy, you have to assume more of the middle pack type guys were using steroids also. So I just, I mean, I understand to some degree saying we want to punish Barry, Barry Bonds and uh, um, Roger Clemens and everything, but at some point you also have to realize it's the entire steroid era. Put it on their plaque, I have no issue with that, but at some point, you can't just ignore an entire era of baseball and just ban everybody. I mean, otherwise, why did you play the game? Yeah, it's 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 base, baseball. Unfortunately, they 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 do things by their own rules. Be damned what the way the rest of society works. I mean, you know, you've got you've got a particular player that. Uh, is out of the Hall of Fame because he may or may not have bet on games, but he's still one of the greatest players of all time. And that that always that always boggles my mind. So so if I take a kid to the Hall of Fame, Pete Rose is not there, you know. Yeah. So my my kid is my kid left with, the, with the, you know the idea that he wasn't one of the greatest players of all time, but he absolutely was. It's, he should be in there. And I mean, if, if O.J. Simpson is in the Hall of Fame, Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. And, I mean, Pete Rose is out of the Hall of Fame and out of baseball for things he did as a manager. You're not inducting him as a manager. You're inducting him as a player. 
you can put on his plaque as a manager was banned from baseball. But, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that he's the hits leader. He's Pete Rose. He has a big part I don't of even, I, I don't even. I don't even care if part of the exhibit on him is a, is directly, you know, about the scandal. I mean, because that's part of that is part of the game, and that should be in there. I don't know yep. why why these these leagues shy away from it. Is what it is. Yeah. But um, I'm going to again abruptly change the topic since this is a um, football show and not a baseball show, but. Um, it is looking like the Andy Reid-led Chiefs are zeroing zeroing in on the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback coach, Doug Peterson, to be their offensive coordinator. And yes, that is former Miami Dolphins quarterback, Doug Peterson. So that'll be another former Dolphin in a major coaching position. So that's good for him. I'm glad to see that. Doug Peterson, who played with the Dolphins for three years and then got some fun-filled World League of American football time before ending up with the Packers. I think he did a couple other teams after that, but it's good. I kind of like that. I like seeing Doug Peterson get a shot. And I just saw a tweet go by that the most sacks in the NFL this year, the Broncos and Rams tied at 52, the Bengals had 51, the Packers had 47, the Texans and Vikings had 44, and the Dolphins were at 42. So, Dolphins actually did some really good stuff on uh, on getting pressure on the quarterback. It just didn't seem like it when we wanted it to be there, and a lot of it was obviously Cam Wake. I mean, 14 of the 52, he, he was almost, he was over, what, a third of it? Little less than. It it, it seems thinking back over the season that our biggest problem was we just couldn't stop people when we at the end of the game when we really needed to stop them. That was our Achilles heel. It was just like the defense just decided, well, the game's on the line, so we're we're going to take this series off. Yep. And I think part of that was it always was late in the game and the defense was tired, but yeah, you're right. It did. It just seemed like, um, a lot of, a lot of the time, right where we needed a stop, the defense fell apart on that drive. But Colts vice president of football operations, Tom Telesco was just named the general manager of the chargers. Huh? Just Brad Wells over at stampede blue, just, uh, tweeted that out. So, Apparently, um, there's a lot of moves going on today. So the Chargers are in full-blown rebuild mode? Yeah. I think they absolutely are. They've got to find somebody that can do something with Phillip Rivers, but I think that they're – I think that, yeah, they're they're going to completely tear it apart and start over. But – since I'm literally just watching Twitter – scroll through right now, and his name is on one of the tweets happening right here. Um, RG3 underwent surgery today, had his ACL and LCL repaired. Um, I I have not heard what the uh, 
prognosis was. They were hoping that uh, his knee was healthy and not any damage to the knee itself, just the ligament. Um, if that is true, if that's the way it came out, and so the, the way that I understand it, and I've had ACL issues a little bit. I haven't ever torn it completely, but I've partially torn it twice. Um, basically, as long as the knee itself, the joint and everything is healthy, and it's just the ligaments that are torn, there's no other damage, you can have a recovery like what Adrian Peterson did. Adrian Peterson, they said his knee was perfect. It was in perfect health, except for the ligaments. If there's any sort of damage that has to be repaired, whether it's to the patella, the uh, patella tendon, anything like that, then that's when... Uh, um, interesting. Sorry, that's when uh, the rehab gets longer. And I have not heard anything about how they think his rehab will go yet. But apparently he did have surgery on his ACL and LCL today. Um, I just pulled up a, um article in the Boston Globe that says, the team doesn't think it looks good for RG3 and the injury could sideline him well into next season. So that can't be a good thing. But, you know, Dr. James Andrews is doing the surgery and doing the great things that Dr. James Andrews does. So we'll see how that goes. And the thing that I said interesting about as that was going on is SB Nation just tweeted out that apparently the Eagles have actually already interviewed Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, and the Bears are interested in interviewing him. So... uh Apparently, even though he said he was going back to Notre Dame, apparently there are interviews happening. Bleeding Green Nation just tweeted out, it's very possible that Kelly was a top target of the Eagles all along. They interviewed him at the first possible opportunity. Well, two things could be going on there. He He's, he's blown smoke, and he is going to look at one of those jobs, or he's going to uh, use those interviews to drive up his price in Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, Chip Kelly seems to have figured that game out. <laughs> Boy, has he. I mean, uh, Chip Kelly has figured that game out. And I don't know. I From what I've heard and from what people have said about Chip Kelly's interviews is he wants to test if he can do it at the NFL level, but he's just not sure he's ready. And they said that his interviews this year, that's what it seemed like, is that he was just – he has the right answers. He knows that he could probably do well at the NFL, but he's not 100% sure that he wants to do it yet. And they felt that the teams felt that indecisiveness from him. And so nobody was really surprised when he decided to go back to uh, back to Oregon instead of heading to the NFL. But. Um. I'm trying to scroll through. If anybody wants to know, uh, the Florida Tech Panthers trail 62 to 43 in men's basketball right now with under eight minutes to play. Nobody else on the face of the earth probably cares about that except for Florida Tech alums. But hey, it's important to me. We don't have a football team yet. <laughs> it's coming. We just don't have it yet. 
Martin tweeted out that he can't believe how awful that BCS National Championship game was. Yeah, we can turn to that. I mean, that was just miserable. I just, I don't know if Notre Dame just didn't realize that they were playing the National Championship that night or what, but they could not do anything during that game. And, I mean, it really was that the National Championship was decided when Alabama played Georgia. Huh. Hey, Duke, James wants you to call in. <laughs> I am in. <laughs> oh, okay. My fear is he kept telling anyone else to call in. But yeah. I, I forgot he was already here. He wants you to call in on the live show, even though you're already here. So I think you have to go get another phone and call in as a guest now. <laughs> but if you guys want to call in and get us off of all this non-Dolphins talk and actually back onto a Dolphins conversation, give us a call, 347-326-9461. And I hope that's a baby in the background banging something there, Duke. Yes. Okay, because otherwise I was going to ask what you're trying to build right now. Do you have some blocks and you're sitting on the desk trying to build something? <laughs> speaking speaking. I'm trying to build a particle collider with Legos. <laughs> by, by the way, speak, speaking of Alabama, um, I was given uh, I was given a seat at Kyle Field next year to see Bama play today. And uh, normally I would turn that down, but uh, I figured I would like to perhaps be there to see Johnny That's Football awesome. try to pull it off again. That's very awesome. And yes, interesting. Apparently, our show is once again not appearing on the site. It's playing last week's episode again, or two weeks ago episode again. I don't know why it does that. I don't know why it does that. Um, Since you guys can't hear me, the people that I'm talking to, not you guys, I know you guys can hear me, go to... Let me pull up our pages thing on Blog Talk Radio real quick. And if ever you guys are listening to this on uh, on a archived version or whatever, if for some reason you come to the site and it's not working, if you go over to Blog Talk Radio, it's blogtalkradio.com slash the-finsider-podcast. If you go over there, you can get the show there, too. So that's uh, that, That's another way to get around the system not deciding to work for us sometimes. Um, starting to think about uh, figuring out some other way to do the podcast, but we won't go into that here. But just so you guys know, since we do seem to have issues more often than not, but... We'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. By the way, on the People's Choice Awards, Maroon 5 just won the best band or favorite band. Just in case you were wondering. I'm, I'm waiting I'm, for America. I'm very eclectic and very all over the place tonight. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I have some... Uh... I have some opinions on that, but I'll I'll just go ahead and keep it to myself for fear <laughs> of offending someone. <laughs> Are you at a payphone right now to do the show? 
<clears throat> but okay. So anyway, to go away from that, let's uh let's talk some uh something dolphins. Um I know I've that we've one. talked okay, go ahead. I'll let you go. I was going to say, uh, apparently, Jeff Ireland signed some futures contracts today. That caused a big stir on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is, that is great. It's so much fun. Okay. Futures contracts. Simply all they are are contracts for next season for guys that are either camp bodies or probably going to end up on the practice squad. It's usually signed by the guys that you just had on your practice squad, and it can only be signed by people who were not on active rosters at the end of the regular season. So any free agent that's going to be signed during the free agent period because their contract is expiring is not a free is not a futures prospect. A futures contract can only be signed by people that were either on practice squads or were not signed in the league. So technically right now we could sign David Garrard to a futures contract, but we can't sign Dwayne Bowe or Mike Wallace to a futures contract. They're still on their teams. But, yes, what Duke just said is just funny because it did. I posted that we signed seven players to futures contracts, and a couple of them I know were a few days ago or last week, but all seven of their names came out. Um, yesterday from what I was reading. And so I posted it this morning. And apparently somehow that turned into a debate on whether or not Jeff Ireland is a good GM again. And it, it <laughs> I mean, it's really to the point where, like I, like I posted in there, I mean, Jeff Ireland could come out tomorrow and say that he cured cancer and AIDS and people would find some fault with that. He didn't do it soon enough or... He should have also cured scurvy. I mean, it would be something random. But, yes, for some reason, signing people to futures contracts turned into a huge debate on the site today. I don't know why. Ugh. It was funny. I didn't comment, but I did get to read, so it was quite entertaining. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I understand if people thought that a futures contract was, you know, like maybe calling dibs. Like, hey, there's all these great free agents. I'm calling dibs on every one of them and sign them to a futures contract. But, you know, if, you know, to me, that's just something that maybe I just take for granted that football fans should know. But, yeah, this is just basically, you know, you get 90 players on your roster before by the end of the draft. So you're signing, well, actually before the I think it's the third preseason game. So you can have 90 players on your roster. So that's basically what this is. This is just feel it, just signing, you know, this is a practice squad, signing some players so that we'll have some people on the team next year to go into camp and, you know, hey, maybe one of them will work out. Uh, you know, DeAndre Presley played a few games. Uh, that Chaz, whatever you say his last name, he was kind of a kind of a big deal on, on hard knocks. So you know, maybe one of these guys will pan out, but. Yeah, it's just I, I saw that one comment about you know oh this is great look at Ireland just what a terrific move in a, in a sarcastic tone I was like you've got to be kidding me and then you know I kind of didn't pay attention to it and I came back later in the day and there's like five bajillion comments and I was like oh my <laughs> I I, lo- 
I, I really think that the fan base is starting to swing back to not not saying that Jeff Ireland is the greatest GM on the face of the earth, but swinging back away from all the people that hate Jeff Ireland. Because I really think that it's become such a vocal, we hate this guy, fire him, and everything revolves around that one idea that it's really starting to tick off people that are like, you know what, we, I can stand up on my desk and scream till I am blue in the face that Jeff Ireland needs to be fired. But you know what? I don't get to make that decision. The only way that that decision is ever going to be made is if Sun Life Stadium is empty. And I mean empty. Not this, oh, we had 30,000 fans. I mean not a soul in there. That's when people will, that's when Stephen Ross will have to go, oh, something's wrong. But that'll never happen. They Every year you hear of a team trying to organize a boycott or fans trying to get everybody to not sit in their seats until after the kickoff so that it'll show on TV how we are against this. And it never works because the fans are always going to go. They may not go in BCS National Championship game, 80,000 people in Sun Life Stadium, but there's still going to be 30,000 people. I mean, sure, the stadium looks empty, but they're still getting money for it. So, I think that we're starting to, as a fan base, get tired of hearing people simply bashing Jeff Ireland because they can. Because it's, oh, he shouldn't, I mean, in here today, um, where is it? That we forgive him from all of his mistakes, like drafting Pat White and not drafting Jimmy Graham. Both of which Bill Parcells has come out and said were his call. He made that call, not Jeff Ireland. Jeff Ireland could stand there next to him and say, you need to draft this person. But when Bill Parcells says, no, I'm drafting this person, what can Jeff Ireland do about that? Nothing. So, but, 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 then, but then you have to counter that. You have certain people on the site that will say, well, if that's true, then Jeff Ireland's been stealing money. I mean, I literally saw that comment. I mean, And you know what? Maybe he was. But that's not your money. It's not like they could use the money they paid Jeff Ireland those three years to go out and buy somebody else. There's a salary cap. I mean, hey, it's just if, like if, there if, are people there are people on here who are on the logo change. Why are we wasting time with the logo change and not looking for players? Jeff Ireland and Joe Philbin are not making the logo change. No, they have not. nothing to do with it. That is something else. I thought it was them in a meeting room having, and they had Heartline sketching it all up for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not affecting anything on the player eval, eval talent scouting wise. So, I mean, I, I don't and get that. It's not that. like we can do anything anyway. I mean, the no. season's not even over. I mean, there's still games to be played. Yes. And I understand that. I understand the consensus or the feeling about it because it's like you know, our season, the Dolphins' season, is over. And we want to do something. And people are like, let's get some players, let's get some players. And it's kind of like the hurry up and wait mentality. And it's, you know, I understand that fans want to get some players on the team. And it, but, you know, we're just going to have to wait until March. It's going to be a couple months. And, and, but I was thinking about that today when I was reading all that, that funny stuff. And I got to thinking about it. It's like, you know, when actual free agency happens, there's going to be, there's going to be a player that the Dolphins sign that people are going to like. There's going to be some that the Dolphins don't care for or fans don't care for. 
what's really going to yep. suck is when we get that one receiver that some people like but not others like. And then the fans are just going to go nuts. They're like, oh, Jeff Island missed out on this guy. This is going oh, yeah. to be a complete mess. And my head started hurting after that. I think uh, I think it is actually Jeff Ireland's fault that we went with Dante Culpepper and not Drew Brees. Um, but no, well, he was st- yeah, still two, two administrations <laughs> away or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, but it's still his fault. But no, I like this. Jason Scott made me laugh with this. Um, the, for some reason, the uh, the discussion in that thread turned to Clyde Gates and uh, how. Uh, Cutting Clyde Gates was an Ireland's mistake. The mistake was drafting Clyde Gates or Michael Agnew, Pat White, Pat Turner, Daniel Thomas in the first place. From you are, you are the ling, yearthling, yearthling. That's what it is. Jason Scott writes back, and this is what just made me laugh. Because taking a chance on a very productive small school kid with the fastest forty time in the combine in the fourth round—that's insane. He obviously isn't Randy Weiss, Randy Moss. Why couldn't Ireland just look at his Madden stats and draft off that? <laughs> oh, we are such a Madden society now. <laughs> yeah, I just, whole, that, that whole argument, and, and, and I agree with you. It's basically like it's getting to the point of the Chad Heaney debates a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, every time Chad Heaney would do something great, there was a post about it or and then there would be like five more posts. And then if he had a bad game, there was ten posts about it. And every post pretty much said the exact same thing. Chad Henney sucks. We need a new quarterback. Chad Henney needs a better chance. He needs a better this and that and the other. And he would just repeat after repeat after repeat. At some point in the distant past, this Jeff Island stuff has become the same thing. It's basically Jeff Island's had this draft or that draft. Or he's missed on this player or that player. And at some point, like right now, you're kind of like, yeah, we know. We've heard all of this. There's nothing new to add. Stop yeah. talking about it until there's something new to talk about. Like if we go out and re-sign Legadoo Nani and tell Mike Wallace, we didn't want you, we wanted Nani instead. Yeah, then break out break out the pitchforks. But don't do it in January when there's still games being played and the season's not even over. We're talking about it now. There's nothing that can be done. I mean, Ireland might have the greatest plan ever, plan for this team, and we won't know about it for a few months anyway. So just stop stop with the madness and talk about something else. Yeah, I think I think that's the problem, is that we all want... Hey, James, I just got a voicemail from you. Um, wow, that, tell, that's on some serious delay. I'm telling you, my phone hates me. If you call me and it uh, it goes to voicemail... I'm probably sitting right next to the phone. It just never rang. And if you send me a text, I might not get it till the next day. My phone hates me. I think I'm going to have to go in and change it. I don't know. There's something wrong with this iPhone. Siri is mad at me for drowning my last Siri or something. I don't know. But, um, no, I, uh, <laughs> it literally just popped up right then, too. That was nice. Um, no, I was, I was thinking... That the, the thing that a lot of people are pointing out, and, okay, I got it. They go, um, Anthony Armstrong, Chad Johnson, um, who else did we sign this year that didn't work out? Legadoo Nani, all those people, that all those wide receivers that we signed and ended up cutting. I got it. They didn't go out and get the big-name wide receiver that this team needs. 
I honestly think, looking back on it now, that the reason they didn't go after the big-name wide receiver was because they didn't want to lock up the money, knowing how much they would have this year. They went out to try to get that one guy, knowing that Brian Hartline could be the number one receiver on this team this year, get that one guy to compliment him, and get through this year. Because nobody nobody thought this team was going to the Super Bowl this year. Most of the people didn't think this team was winning more than three games this year. So I think that I, I think that within the Dolphins, they went, you know what? Let's find a receiver. We'll sign him to a one-year contract. We'll see if he can work for us. And if he can't, we cut him, eat the salary for this year, and we're not locked into something long-term. That's why we were just spinning with wide receivers left, right, and center. Bring them in, see if they work. If they don't, get them out. Let's get the next guy and see if he can work. Because it's all an audition for 2013. And I think that that's... And, yeah, go on. And as I was say, you've also got to look at it like this. People were all swore up in free agency last year. They want this guy and that guy. Well, that's probably the only guy. That's right. Probably the only <laughs> guy that would have... Hey guys. That would have... Uh, would have helped out. They would not have broke the bank. Would have been Pierre Garcon. Everybody else, we could have got Vincent Jackson, but he would have cost you know an exorbitant amount of money. There was Laurent Robinson who did nothing. Um, several other free agent wide receivers that didn't do a great deal of stuff. Um, then you look at the draft. There was Justin Blackman, which we had no chance of getting. If we would have, we wouldn't have had Tannehill. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, Stephen Hill. Those were guys that went pretty high. Um, Kendall Wright. We might, could have traded up for him, but these are guys that they didn't exactly light the league up. So it's yeah. not like that the free agent wide receivers in the draft had all this great talent that was just, you know, we could have just tapped from. I mean, a lot of the guys, everybody, I remember on the live thread, everybody's like, oh, we need to draft Marvin McNutt. We need to draft Marvin McNutt. Blah, 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 blah. And, and he continued he to fall and continued to fall. Round. Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing, the only thing that he did memorable this season was I think have a punt bounce off of his head or something. I don't remember. I mean, didn't do anything. So it wasn't like there was just all this stuff in Ireland just missed. You know, there was maybe one or two guys that we didn't get, and everybody else is pretty much garbage. So I mean, what else? What else can you do? Yeah, I think I, mean, I think you're right there. Year, I think uh, I think when everybody looks back at it, they everybody was killing Ireland and the team for not drafting a wide receiver and. Ireland, after the draft, said, hey, look, once they passed those first couple of wide receivers, we didn't have anybody graded until round five, six, seven. We weren't going to take a guy that we graded in round five and suddenly try to jump up and grab him in rounds two or three. So I think that that's a fair assessment of what happened in this draft. It was not a killer wide receiver draft. I know everybody's going to jump up and down and scream that we could have had T.Y. Hilton. I got it. I thought we could have drafted T.Y. Hilton when we were drafting. It would have been a good move. But for whatever reason, they went a different route. That's fine. But that's really the only wide receiver that, I mean, Blackman came on near the end of the year, and surprisingly, it was with Henny. I mean, he didn't do anything at the beginning of the year. It took him a while to get used to NFL. And that's where, swinging it back, that's where I think the frustration of Michael Egnew comes in. I really think that Egnew, um, I think Egnew will be a capable 
tight end in this league. He may not be the greatest tight end ever, but I think he will be capable. And I think that he's a third-round guy. And I'm sorry, I, I know that people out there say a third-rounder should not redshirt a year and should not sit for an entire season, but that's what ended up happening. We were going to be okay with our first-round pick sitting for an entire season. So if our third-round pick had to sit for the entire season to learn and develop, I'm okay with that. They say it takes three years for a wide receiver to be able to, um, to, be able to really grasp what happens in this league. Well, for a tight end coming out of a school that everybody knows they don't make tight ends block at Missouri. Everybody knows that. That's why across the league – Tight ends from Missouri come into the league and then disappear. So our coaching staff went, you know what? You are a good receiver. We need to work on your blocking. So they took the time, and they're trying to build him up as a blocker. But everybody just looks at it and says, it's another failed pick. We haven't seen him do anything yet. You can't declare it a failed pick yet. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, welcome Martin, our newest contributing author, on, into the show. Martin, how are you tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? I am doing well. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Right. Yeah, so so two things. I'm just going to briefly touch on what you guys have talked about, and then I'm going to introduce a new topic if that's okay. That's fine. All right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm talking to, you know, some of my friends who are Dolphins fans. I think one of the really big issues um, with our season is definitely the success other teams had. Yeah. And, you know, and you you, you really hear a lot about, us being compared to the Colts because the Colts were arguably were, were pretty much a worse team than us last year, and then not only did they win more games than us, they beat us head to head. And you know, it was it, this was not a great draft as it turned out for wide receivers, but then they happened to get one yep. named T.Y. Hilton, who happened to be from South Florida, and in the third round, which happened to be the round where Michael Agnew, you know, yep. had to you know contribute. I think that's what a lot of people aren't really. You know, a lot of people aren't really happy sort of, you know, looking at what we got and being happy with it. They're just trying to compare us with others. And that's what makes it really hard to preach patience. And yeah. same thing with, like, Tannehill's performance. You know, if you compare him to pretty much any other rookie class, he'd arguably be, like, you know, the second or third best QB in pretty much any class. But in this class, you know, he looks fourth. But, you know, I mean, he's at worst average a rookie, and he's arguably above average given what he's working with, but it was, again, this, this magical rookie year for wide receivers, running backs and wide receivers, and we seem to have missed out on it, and I think that's yeah. the reason for a lot of the frustration. I agree with that, yeah. T.Y. Hilton, is, I mean, he was the one wide receiver that came out and actually performed above a, a rookie wide receiver, and it did. I mean, that third round, everybody, when we picked Michael Agnew, everybody loved the pick, because it's that athletic tight end that we're all dying to find. And then he ended up having to sit for a year, and now it's, oh, we should have gotten T.Y. Hilton because we are great at that as Dolphins fans. We are great at seeing somebody else's pick that we could have had and saying we should have picked him. And if we want to play that game, you know what? We should have picked Tom Brady because he was a sixth-round pick. So we missed on him six times before the Patriots took him. So I'm just saying. But, okay, you want to talk something else? Hey, What's up? Uh, well, oh, before we go, go Duke. I want to do what? Go, Duke. I was going to say, I, I read something today about Michael Agnew, and uh, it was from uh, Armando at the Miami Herald, and he was talking with somebody on the Joe Rose show, and he said that uh, Joe Rose said he doesn't believe Agnew's going to make it. 
Salguero said he talked to a couple of players. One player said he should have been cut this year. Another player said he is a, a derogatory term for female genitalia. He's not a football player. So wow. that was just a couple of things about uh, some players said about Agnew. So um, I, I thought I would throw that in there, that a couple of players were disappointed in that. So I know that's only going to fuel the island fires, but... Ah, I just pulled I up that, that article. Kind of Interesting. Yeah, I know. That's one of the reasons why you probably saw a lot of anti-Egnew comments today. Armando, he, I mean, I, I didn't really like the article because if you, he has two anonymous players and then, like, three commentators, like Joe Rose. Yeah. And, like, you know, the commentators, they don't, see, yeah, Kimbo, they don't see Egnew in practice. They don't know how awful he's been or how good he's been in practice. I mean, like us, they're just guessing. I mean, the two anonymous players, I mean, you know, I mean, they, they see him in practice, but at the same time, they're anonymous players. They could be guys who just don't like him. So, I mean, it just seemed a little bit, like, inflammatory, you know. I mean, the coaches say they, they like his potential. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people reacted negatively. Like, I had a couple of friends send me that article because, you know, basically it was just six people saying awful things about Michael Agnew, who we haven't yeah. seen, really. It's interesting because he, he – Armando, I, I just skimmed it just now. Armando, uh, he plays it up as a growing consensus is that he won't be on the team in 2013. But mm-hmm. you're right. It's two anonymous players, and then it's Kimbo Camper. And, <laughs> I mean, okay, great. Kimbo Camper was a linebacker defensive end for the Dolphins. But I, um, I, I don't, I don't know how – Two anonymous players and Kim Camper is a growing consensus <laughs> that he won't be on the team. I mean, could it, could it be that way? It very much could be. And maybe it was a wasted pick. Maybe we did blow that pick. But I just – yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's a weird article. But, yeah. okay, so you wanted to talk something else. What's up? Yeah. So, I mean, sort of looking ahead a little bit. And it's sort of topical given the awful, awful national championship game we a lot of us watched. <laughs> it was just awful. I mean, all anyone talking about is AC McCarron's girlfriend was lets you know how competitive that game was. I mean, that just... <laughs> yeah. Um, but something football-related from that, um, you know, before that game, one thing I was noticing in the comments is a lot of, you know, we don't, you know, either A, people who don't like Carlos Dansby, period, or people who thought Carlos Dansby would be better as an outside linebacker than a middle. A lot of people were saying, you know, if Teo happens to be there at 12, you know, maybe we should take him as the best player available and then, you know, move, yep. either cut Dansby to save the money. I think it's $4 million in savings in 2013 and then $11 million in 2014 if we cut him this right. year. Yep. Or we can move him to, quote, his playmaking position. He made a lot of plays with Arizona as an outside linebacker. So... One underreported storyline is that Teo sort of had an awful game. I mean, he was just he was pushed aside. He was you know targeted. He was exploited yeah. on play action. Um, so and you know and this is something I've been debating with my friends is how much his draft stock was hurt because on the one hand you have the whole it's just one game, and then on the other hand you have the it's the biggest game of the year when they needed him the most against his best competition and he played his worst. I so I wanted that's... to hear, what, yeah, I wanted to hear what you guys had to, what, like, so, so say like Jeff Ireland picks Manti Teo at t- number twelve, like, what would your reaction be given what we saw, what you've heard or seen during the year, and especially what we saw in that game? 
I wouldn't I wouldn't really have a problem with the pick. I like Kale. I think he will do good things for the team eventually or in the NFL. But after that game and with the defense that the uh um Crimson Tide has and the front seven that they have or the not the defense that they have, the offensive line, that's what I'm trying to say. I think it's just I, I now have worries about him, at least as a rookie in the league. Um, he could develop. He, it could have just been a bad game when the entire team played a bad game. But I, I definitely would have concerns, but I would be okay with the pick there if that's the way we went. Duke, I know you're um, about the draft, so you want to weigh in on Teo? You know, I, I didn't really watch the game. Um <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. And, Good uh, I think the, uh, you know, the more I read, the more I've seen, and I have watched Tay a few times this year, the more I think that he is going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and absolutely dominate as a 3-4 inside linebacker and just crush it there. As a 4-3 guy, I think he would be okay. As far as the Dolphins drafting him, it's kind of one of those. <clears throat> I, I, I like him as a player. I wouldn't mind him on the team, uh, but I've got a post that I'm still working on that I would like to put up this week, uh, talking about uh, positional value. And it depends who's available. If there's some if some other players on the board, at let's say for example, if Deion Jordan is still on the board, I would rather take him than Teo, simply because he plays a a, a more impact position as a defensive end. So, I mean, it just depends who's available, depends who, you know, what the situation is. You know, if if we get to 12, and, you know, I don't think Taylor will make it to 12, but if we get there and he's still there, but there's some, some of the good pass rushers have already gone, I would prefer to trade down, pick up an extra second round or maybe a first-round pick for next year um, and go all in for Jadavion Clowney because he's a freak and he would look awesome in the Dolphins' performance. So, um, I would like to trade down, but if he's there, I mean, it's one of those that if we pick him, I'm not going to be upset. The only thing about that is if we do pick him, who who sits? I mean, Kevin Burnett had a great year as an outside linebacker. Dansby had a good year as a middle linebacker. Meesey was okay, so do you move him? Do you replace Meesey with him? Do you move Dansby outside? I mean, where exactly does he fit? Because... Let's say we draft Deion Jordan or Keenan Allen or somebody in the first round. We know exactly where they're going to be. They're going to be starting at their respective positions. Right. Tao is going to have to supplant somebody. And, and right now, I think it would be difficult for him to supplant one of the guys that's already in our starting lineup at linebacker. Yeah. That's a great point. How does he fit? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I'd love to have him on the team because I think that – if you are just going to go BPA and he happens to be the guy sitting there, you can't go wrong getting the talent like that. But, yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. I think I think Misi would end up having to sit, but I don't know who you put in that position. Yeah. I mean, before – I mean, no, I mean after that game, not a lot of people are cheering for him anymore. But uh, b- before I saw some people say, like, you know, Misi was a defensive end, in, a 4-3 defensive end in college, so they were saying maybe – 
rather than draft a defensive end, do you move BC to you know, D? But I just wanted to hear what other people were saying, you know, in terms of like, you know, whether there really was, you know, a lot of support for us taking him. But I mean, I basically, I mean, my my attitude is with you guys. I mean, I don't feel like that one game should completely destroy his draft stock, but it's not something where like, you know, on draft day, I'm going to be praying that he falls to us and. Right. I mean, if he happens, to, if he clearly is the best player available at twelve, I'd take him. But you know, I, I think I'd, I would prefer sort of, you know, like a, an elite pass rusher at that position if we go defensive end, or you know, an impact position on offense like wide receiver instead at the moment. But, yeah, right. yeah, and and two things about that: one, is he's going to blow up the combine. I mean, unless he just comes out and runs like a five-two-forty or something, he's going to destroy the interviews. He's going to perform well in the drills. And teams are going to completely forget, well, he played bad against Alabama, and he's had all this other tape. The second thing is, I don't want Cole Meese anywhere near a defensive end spot. I don't care if he played that in college. Yeah. I've, we've watched him for the past few years, and only one time in the past, since his, since I've seen him play, and watched all of his games, only one time have I seen him attempt a pass rushing move other than a bull rush. He just cannot get to the quarterback. Yeah. And I read something after this draft that was talking about him as, He's a good blitzer. He's a guy that you can line up on the edge, and he can come on the blitz when the, uh, the offensive tackle's not expecting him to. As an every-down rusher, when the guy's preparing for him, he's not that guy. So I don't expect Nisi to, 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 to be that kind of guy. We need a guy that specializes in, in pass rushing, and that's not what he does. So if they move him there, it's going to be a very questionable move in my opinion. Hey, Martin, I uh, hate to rush you off the line, but thank you for calling in. I do have another caller I want to get to, but thank you very much for calling in, and congratulations on coming on as a, uh author on the site. Thanks for having me. Night. Real quick before I bring Mike the Dolphin on, um, I just – watching Twitter, uh, everybody probably remembers Tim Graham. He was the ESPN AFC East blogger for three years. Um, he went back to Buffalo – to work at uh, the Buffalo News. He just posted an article. Um, I said Tom Telesco is being introduced as the Chargers general manager. Apparently Thursday the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to announce David Caldwell as their general manager. The two were classmates in high school at St. Francis High in uh, Athol Springs, New York. So two high school teammates, or two high school classmates, are now GMs in the NFL, and there are only 32 of those jobs in the world. So that's just weird. One high school produces two GMs at the same time. But just interesting fact. But go ahead and uh, no, Mike, Mike, you want to talk about the draft? You there, Mike? Yeah, hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about uh, how well. The, hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. You wanted to talk about the draft? Yeah, I just had a few, like a few questions for you guys to. Yeah. What's up? Um, you know, with this being a humongous offseason, you know, making or breaking in the next couple of years, three, four, five years. Yeah. I was wondering if you guys thought that they should go after a wide receiver in the first round of the draft, or pick up a guy, a veteran like Mike Wallace or Jennings. I think what they're going to end up probably doing is I think they're going to go after a free agent. 
Um, I don't think that precludes them going after a first-round wide receiver, but I think it would mean that they probably would rather go defensive end or cornerback um, and then pick somebody up in the second. I think that no matter what happens in the first or second round, we're drafting a wide receiver. Um, I think that... I think Greg Jennings probably makes the most sense in terms of he already knows the scheme and all that, but I have a feeling and I, I, the more I talk about, or the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. And Duke is the one that absolutely started me thinking about it. And I said, I didn't like it at the time, but I think Mike Wallace is probably going to end up being the guy that they go after because they want that deep threat speed guy. Okay. uh, The only thing I was, uh, about the draft is like it, it, it's going to take them most wide receivers three years to develop and if Jeff Ireland you know if he's going to be fired after this year if they struggle again you would think he would go for the quicker fix to have more immediate production you're right I mean that absolutely if that is if, if that is where it's going to be then yeah I mean we we would have to get somebody in there which is probably why you end up seeing a free agent and a draft pick. Um, Jennings, like I said, Jennings probably makes the most sense. I think the team stays away from Dwayne Bowe. I just, I, I think that they're going to look at him and just say, no, thank you. Um, the rumors are really starting to percolate that the Dolphins could be going after Jennings. Of course, we all heard the rumors all year about how they were going after uh, Peyton Manning, they were going after Matt Flynn, they were going after Alex Smith. So the rumors can say things. We can bring people in and interview them. It doesn't mean that we're either going to sign them or that they're going to sign with us. So we'll, we'll see. But I do. I think that Mike Wallace or Greg Jennings, if there's a way that they can pull off both, I, I wouldn't put it past them. But that's going to be a lot of money eaten up in two wide receiver contracts to pull off both of those guys. Uh, I got to go. Thanks, guys. Yep. Take care, man. Thanks for calling in. You have a good night. Uh, anybody else wants to call in? 347-326-9461. That's 347-326-9461. We're happy to get you on the air, talk anything Dolphins that you want. I don't know what's happening at the People's Choice Awards, but I just looked up and there were fireworks going off, so that was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to uh, let me. I want to talk, uh, kind of go on with what Mike was talking about and his question. Yeah. Um, if he's still listening out there, I think this draft. You know, there's not an AJ Green or Julio Jones type player in this draft that is just a. You know, a, a receiver that will do it all. But this draft has a lot of receivers that do certain things well that fit what our offensive schemes want to do. And I think if they go out and get a guy in the first round, that guy's going to have to start. You don't get a developmental guy in the first round, at least at that position. You're going to expect some production. And so you run into a slight problem because we are going to go get a, a, a free agent guy, more than likely. And we're probably going to re-sign Heartline. You know, I, I'm kind of with a consensus with a lot of the beat writers that says we need to add wide receiver talent, not subtract from it. But, you know, you're going to run into a, a, an issue there. I don't think we're going to go in the first round for this reason. Let's say we go out and get a guy like Greg Jennings. I think he's, what, 31 years old or will be next season? Yeah, I think I think that's right. 
So you're only going to expect maybe two to three more years from him where he plays at a really high level. After that, he's probably going to start to drop off a little bit, just just due to age and, and, and mileage and such. So you'll probably want a guy in that second to third round range that you can develop, bring him in and let him play in some stuff to the point where he replaces him uh, at that point. And that makes a lot more sense to me. Do it that way. Take a guy like um, Cordell Patterson or maybe DeAndre Hopkins or um, Stedman Bailey, a guy like that who would play, uh, who, who, would, who would not immediately have to come in and start but would be a contributor, and then a couple years down the road, he would be a, a full-time starter and be a guy that you expect to get, you know, a 1,000 yards every year. Right. So there's some guys right. in the draft that are in the second to third round range that fit our needs perfectly. The guy that I would love to see us get, even though he's not necessarily a deep threat, would be that Derek Rogers, um, big physical receiver, a guy who can go across the middle, um, battle corners, uh, out-power out corners, um, a guy like that. But I've been doing a little bit more reading on it, and uh, that Patterson kid from Tennessee, I'm, I'm starting to like him. I think he would be the perfect fit. Simply because I think he'll be there in the late first or early second if we decided to go that route. He's a very athletic guy. He's going to have a lot of speed. He offers value as a return guy. And even though we've got thick pin, we used uh, best in certain cases as a returner uh, this past season. So I think you would offer a little competition there. Uh, but he's a guy that says he's a little raw and needs to work on some route running stuff. So he's a guy that you can say, you know what, we'll draft this guy. You're going to be our main guy in three years, but right now we're going to develop you. We're going to slow cook you, let you simmer a little bit until you become an awesome receiver. And I could honestly see Jeff Ireland trading down to 12, getting down into the mid-20 range, taking Patterson, let's say, 23 or 4 or 5, picking up an extra second round pick, um, and, and going from there. So that's kind of how I think I feel about it. You know, I like Wallace. As a receiver, I think he offers that speed. The only problem is I don't think he's a true number one, and he's going to leave. There's going to be some parts of our offense that are going to be lacking because of him. We don't have that big physical receiver. But um, I can see it's going with like a, a Jennings-Patterson type combo in terms of free agency in the draft. So that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, that probably makes sense. Um. I like I like Patterson. I think that he's probably somebody the Dolphins could go after. I still absolutely am in love with Tavon Austin, even though I'm fairly certain he won't come to Miami. But that's just me. <laughs> I can't get over my love for that guy. I don't know why. But I read uh, I read something this week. This is kind of on a similar topic. I read something this week. I believe it was the uh, Thin Fanatic blog. That said, uh, they Are you heard... cheating on us? You're going to other blogs? I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> what the hell, man? I read, I read all kinds of things. Um, but I, I have, I've never commented there. The only comment I've ever done on any of the Dolphins blog is the Daily Dolphin. And somebody put something on there so atrocious one day I just had to comment. It was just, <laughs> it, it was it was like the one today. And uh, and then Anish was on there, I believe, and he said not to waste my time because they're all like that. So I didn't go back. 
Is but, he cheating um, on us anyway, too? What is happening? <laughs> no, I think that's where he, I think he was over there first, and then came to the Finn Fighter. Okay, so, <laughs> we're the we're the home wreckers. Um, but, I'm okay with but, that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the uh, what they were talking about was there was they had heard or read or somehow came across the idea that Anthony Anthony Fasano was not going to be retained. At which point I started thinking, and thought, all right, I've got a tight end post I've got to write about this. And I started thinking about some free agent tight ends and possibly draft tight ends because if Anthony Fasano is gone, which I think they'll re-sign him as the number two guy, but yeah. if he's gone, then we don't have a true real tight end on the team. So what do you think about – Have you? Who, who do you think is a free agent or a draft pick that would be a, a, a good fit to be our – Full-time tight end. I've got a couple. I've got James and I probably thinking one free agent guy because we were talking about him last year. And I've got one guy in the draft that I would love to pick up. But I want to hear your thoughts. The the only guy that comes to my mind just off the top of my head is um, the guy from Notre Dame. I'm blanking on his name right now. Tyler Eifert. Yeah, Eifert. How he fit. That's the only guy that I can think of. That's the only one that's popping into my head right away. Um, free agents. I don't know. I haven't looked at free agent tight ends at all this year. The uh, one free agent that I would love to pick up, I don't think the Giants let him go, but it's Martellus Bennett. I want to oh, that's last a year, good one. He had a really good season. I think they franchise tag him. Uh, franchise tag tight ends are the lowest besides kickers and punters. Yeah. So I think he gets franchised or he gets a deal worked out with them. I don't think they let him go. But if he's available, I'm throwing if I'm Jeff Island, I'm throwing money at him. I'm making it rain because that <laughs> dude is athletic. He's athletic. He's he's shown as a full time tight end that he can be productive and he's a good blocker. Yep. And, and he's know, the, uh, and he's the funniest man. He's also the yeah. funniest man in the entire NFL. I just wanna <laughs> wanna include that. Because that's very important. The, uh, <laughs> the draft pick that I'm looking at is uh, Joseph Foria from UCLA. Guy had like 11 touchdowns this year, but he's six seven. He's a big guy, and he's to work on his blocking a little bit. But he, unlike Ignu, he does play in line, so it's not something he's completely, it's completely foreign to him. But every time I've seen the dude, watched him, I thought, man, that is just Rob Gronkowski made over. It's like 2.0. So I thought I'd love to get him and Bennett on the team. So. And of course, the other guy, even though he's not a free agent, is Jermichael Finley. But yeah, I don't know about him. But I mean, how do you feel about Sano being gone? I mean, I know fans don't like him because he's not the elite tight end like Graham or Gronkowski. But the guy, in my opinion, is underrated. I mean, there was three or four times this year he could have had touchdowns that the quarterback missed him on. Yeah. Um, so he could have had like eight or nine touchdowns, which you know, Gronkowski had eleven. So it's not like you know, eight or nine, eight or nine would have been better than than what Bennett had. Uh, he's not fast. He's not going to burn you down the seam. But he's a smart player. He's he's a decent player. I I hope the Dolphins resign him. I hope they finally got to upgrade the position. But I hope they keep him just because yeah. you know, he's a smart player and he 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 does well as a blocker and he can be productive. So. Yeah, I. I... 
completely agree. I think that the Dolphins need to re-sign him. I think he needs to come back. Uh, I don't think that I, – I have no issue with him being the number two guy and pushing him back. I don't – I'm not trying to say that he should be the number one guy, but I think that they need him because he is a solid tight end. He's not stellar. He's not going to be the guy that you're going to suddenly go out and go, oh, my God, he's a pro bowler and he's the greatest thing ever to play the position. But he's somebody who you can rely on. You know what you're getting with him. He's a good blocker. He's a good pass catcher. And we apparently have Agnew, who should be able to catch. We have Charles Clay, who can go out there and catch, but is more of a blocker. We have John Mastred, who is a pure blocker. I mean, he's basically a, another lineman on the line. So I think that, yeah, I think you need to bring back um, Fasano, and then you can get either a free agent or draft somebody to be the number one while Fasano's the number two. More of a blocking tight end, but still has the ability to go out there and doesn't give it away by, like when we bring in Mastred, everybody knows he's not going to get the ball. So if you bring in Fasano in that role, he, at least there's a threat that he could be getting the ball. So, yeah, yeah I think Fasano I mean, needs to come back. I think if you go into it with Fasano and say a, a rookie tight end play, Dan Agnew, that gives you some, some receiving options. And it also gives you, you know, a couple good blockers. I think they'll actually – honestly, I think if we draft a guy and re-sign Fasano, it's going to come down to – um, how they do Mastrud or Agnew and what their contribution is. And given that article that I read, I don't know that I don't know about Agnew as much, but if they find a guy in the draft that can be a dominant pass catching tight end, and you re-sign Fasano and you get you get Clay another year in the offense, and he's fully healthy, I think Agnew could get cut for Mastery simply because they can use Mastery as a blocker, but yeah. I don't know if that'll work or not. That's just a just a wild speculation. Real quick, since we're kind of at the end of that sentence, do you guys hear a clicking? Does it click, keep clicking in your ears or from your speakers or however you're listening? I'm going with no since neither one of you is answering. Okay. I, it's my headset. I know what it is. It's every time like I turn my head the wire is clicking and I just want to make sure it's not coming across the show. So that's all. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't messing up the show by having click, click, click every five seconds. But, okay. I want, um, I want to, uh, yeah. I don't know if this is on the, the agenda or, or everything, but I want to, I want to, uh, or like to hear some thoughts on, uh, the Stephen Ross press conference. Cause I have huh. read about that, uh, a lot this week uh, from different sides of it, and I just want to get uh, your thoughts on on his, his little press conference and the things he said. I, I read Armando's what I thought he should have said thing and how it seemed like that there really isn't a plan and that I guess he thought – Stephen Ross was supposed to come out there and lay out step-by-step, step, we're going to sign this guy, we're going to draft this guy, we're going to trade for this guy, we're going to win against these teams next year, and then we're going to lose to these teams next year. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it just it, His article seemed very, very 
like like he thought that he deserved to know more about what the Dolphins are doing than Stephen Ross let out. And I mean, Stephen Ross is the owner. He's gotten really good at talking like an owner now. And people think that he's an idiot for some reason. And I don't think that that's true at all. I think he's a very bright man. I mean, you don't make $3.3 billion just hanging around. Um, I think, I think that, he went from uh, I think he went from 3.3 to like 4.2 in like six months this year, by the way. Oh, my billion. God. Yeah, so, so he's yeah. one of the richest people in America by, by pretty good – by billion. Good um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that he's an idiot by any stretch of the means. I think that he got in over his head with being an NFL owner. He thought it would be more like being in the business world, and it's not. And he wasn't ready for that. So, I mean, I'm okay with that. I think that he came in, Wayne Heisenga told him, hey, you have Bill Parcells. He's a football genius. And He's going to help guide you, and Parcells didn't do any of that, and it kind of left Ross just out there hanging, and take it for what it's worth. I mean, if you want to say he's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's doing, okay, I got it, and in the long run, you know what? What the owner does, just like people hate that he keeps getting these celebrity minority owners, and I mean – does, have you ever seen Venus Williams or Serena Williams out there making a decision on the sidelines? No. So I don't care about any of that stuff. What? But with this press conference, I think it shows that he's starting to get better at the talking without saying anything thing. I think he's 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 starting to he's going to answer your question. You're going to go, oh okay, and then when you read it again later, you go, well that didn't really tell me anything. But I, I liked some of his answers. Some of them I kind of wish he went into more details, but I can't fault the guy. I mean, like I said, what's he supposed to do? Tell you everything this team is going to do? I, that, that's, that's the way I, I came out of that press conference. I had the funny – when you were saying that, I had the funniest image in my, in my head of draft day and then flashing to the Dolphins' war room and somebody going – is that Fergie in there? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, th- then I'll be concerned. Yeah, Fergie making trade calls. Yeah. Yeah, if I see Fergie and Gloria Estevan like debating the merits of a player, then yeah, we've got a problem. Look, 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 Jeff. Look, Jeff. Look, Joe. Look, Steven. I know that we really, really need a wide receiver, but I hear that guy over there can really, really sing. I think we need him. (laughs) He's a long snapper. Yeah. John Denny has been on this team a really long time. We need to replace the long snapper. (laughs) Uh, That would be awesome. I think we should have all of the owners in there, every single one of them, even Heisenga, because he's still a part owner of the team, should be in there. The thing about that press conference that that I and I kind of read some of that Armando stuff and, and a couple of the things that that he said is one he said that he would he he's not um, he's not allergic to going out and spending a bunch of money he's going to pay what it takes to make yeah. the team good which is a good thing but then he turns around and says that he's not a fan of free agency and he thinks teams are built to the draft right 
And then he says, and, and this I think is kind of interesting because it can be taken one of two ways, depending on how you feel about Jeff Island. One is that he, he, he said that that he inherited the, the problem with the team that what we have seen as fans over the last few years, he inherited from Parcells. Basically, he says, I wasn't responsible for that. I'm responsible right. for what's happening now. And so you can take that one of two ways. One of two ways, you, one way is you can say, well, you know, it is Parcells' fault. Ireland and Ross and those guys didn't have as much to say, so he was, he, he's responsible. Kind of lets him off the hook. The other is saying, well, that, and I forgot my, I forgot where I was going with this. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're. I know what you're going with. You're saying that. Yeah, you're saying that as an owner, he should have had more say at the beginning, or you can look at it as he trusted Parcells to do it and it didn't happen. Um, I, yeah, yeah I mean, I, in, in a way, it's kind of like he's, he's blame shifting and saying all right, right. All this stuff. You know, he's went seven and nine. Not my fault. And everything that happens now is my fault. And I kind of agree with that to an extent, but in a way it was kind of throwing Parcells under the bus. And like I said, depending on how you feel about Ireland, it's going to be how you feel about that. Some are going to say, well, he's just trying to he's just trying to cover his own rear end for keeping Ireland because the team's bad. And others are going to say, see, it was Parcells' fault. So I just thought it was kind of interesting that he would come out and say that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I. I... I think what he what he's trying to say is that I took over this team, and like I said a minute ago, the guidance I got from Heisenga was Bill Parcells is a genius. Everybody across football says Bill Parcells is a genius. And I went, okay, I'm not touching it. I'm not going to make a change. I'm going to let the genius Bill Parcells do his thing. And then when he realized it wasn't working – and suddenly Parcells drafted two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks failed, and Parcells bolted, then I think uh, I think that that's when he said, okay, now I have to put my hands on it. And he didn't want to put his hands on it. He wanted to let the football people make football decisions. And unfortunately, they couldn't, and they didn't. And now he's making his decision. And his his first move, I mean, the one that – everybody's going to look at right now and complain about is the fact that he kept Jeff Ireland and Ireland has his confidence. He is confident in Jeff Ireland. There are people around the league who believe Jeff Ireland is a good GM. There are people around the league who have difficulties with Jeff Ireland and think that he's the guy that asks people if their moms are prostitutes. So, I mean, I don't know. It goes both ways. And I think you're right. I think part of it was, hey, I'm going to deflect some of the blame away from me and from the team, and I'm going to protect some of my guys now. Because this is his guy now. Jeff Ireland is now his guy. Uh, Joe Philbin is now his guy. It's not Heisenga or not – yeah, it's not Heisenga anymore. It's not Bill Parcells anymore. It is all Jeff I- Jeff Ireland. It is all Stephen Ross's show now. So – and I think, you know, going back to what Mike was saying, he mentioned that, you know, Ireland, you know, kind of on the hot seat for the season, you know, the Dolphins have to improve. And I believe one way you can take what what Ross said is that these are my decisions now. So if things don't start getting better, 
you know, there's going to be changes made. Yeah. And so if, I, if I'm Jeff Ireland and I hear that, I'm relieved in one sense, saying, all right, he's not blaming me for everything. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, all right, well, now he now he's the one. If, if things go bad, he's signed his name to that. He's not going to want that. And so I have to go out and succeed now. So hopefully that, that kind of pressure will, will, will work in a positive way for Ireland. He'll go out and get us some playmakers and we'll win the bowl and, and we can all be happy. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that is a big piece of it right there. Is it it says, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to blame the guys I have right now for four consecutive losing seasons. But I'm not going to not hold them accountable moving forward. And if they start if this team does not show improvement, then I will make the change and I will hold these guys accountable because now it is my guys, and I am responsible for this team now. So I, I think, yeah, I think there's some to that, that while it looks like his his goal is to bl- block some of the blame to the old regime, and I mean the old regime as in Wayne Huizenga and Bill Parcells, not Parcells, Sperano in Ireland, but Huizenga and that decision, I think it looks like that's what his goal is, but at the same time, it you know what? Now if we start losing, now it's on me. And I will have to make the changes that I have to make. And Ireland is obviously the one on the hot seat. And do I think that the hot seat is coming from um, Stephen Ross? No, I think it is coming from the fans. And I think in that sense, we do have a say. I just don't think that us standing up and screaming every other day to fire Ireland is going to make a difference. But I think that repeated losing seasons and hearing that kind of complaint over and over and over will eventually make it so that Stephen Ross will have to make a change if this team doesn't win. But with that said, as soon as this team starts winning, all that criticism goes away because nobody cares who the GM is as long as the team is winning. And that's what it comes down to. So I think that as a fan base, we just have to suck it up and deal with it this year that Jeff Ireland is our GM and we can be worried about it. We can hate it, but we're, it's not going to make a difference. We're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. And yeah, at the end of next year or at the point where we're four and 10 or something, then you can complain that Jeff Ireland screwed us for three or four years. But it, it, we're not going to have any effect right now. I think. By the way, I just yeah, I just I saw. Go on, James. Hello. Yep. Did we lose somebody? I think we lost James. Duke, you there? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I think we just dropped James. I don't know what happened there. Well, I, I was going to say he did say that, he did um, say before the show that his phone was having issues charging, so it could be that. I don't know. That's uh, probably what it is. Um, I think the Jeff Ireland stuff will, will end if 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 we sign one one good free agent. I mean, if we go out there in free agency and we pick up the Nane equivalent this year. Fans are going to 
revolt in some way that I'm kind of worried about. The if he goes out and signs Greg Jennings, okay. Let's say he goes. Out, let's say he signs all the free agents that we want to keep, Bush and all those guys, and he goes out and gets Greg Jennings. I think fans will finally be like, I think fans will stop. Like, you know what? I'm finally doing something. He knows what he's doing now. Yeah, he's made some mistakes, but you know he's 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 working the right way now. So, yeah, I'm really hoping just on one sense that we sign a guy just so people will stop. Um, I don't think he's going to overpay for guys. I think that's the way he works, but. I think a lot of this Jeff Island stuff, at least his seat won't be quite as warm. Uh, if he goes out and signs a guy, and the fans will kind of get off his back a little bit. Now, of course, you know, we start out 0 7 again. That'll be a different story about it. So, I, I, I mean, I think a lot of good things can happen if we go out and sign, um, sign a guy, and fan, fans, you know, we will react the way we normally react. When it first happens, we will be completely ecstatic. Uh, the first time he drops a pass, he's a bum. We shouldn't sign him. Uh, we need to trade him for you know, three first-round picks or whatever. You know, that's just how we are. But I think Ireland will. Um, he will. He will get some some of the monkey off his back if he just goes out and finds a guy. Yep. And I hate to hate to do that as a strategy, but if that were me in that position, I'm like, man, these people just will not get off my case. I go out and find a guy. It's like, see, I signed a guy. Shut up. <laughs> James, you back with us now? Yes. Hey, so what were you going to say? I don't remember. Okay, then. I had, I had catastrophic <laughs> failure there for a second. <laughs> we just figured your phone finally died on you. But yeah, you... something happened. <laughs> but yeah, so uh hmm. So chance on Dolphins um the Fin Club that they now use for their to get points and you can turn them in for stuff and everything. They're for a hundred points you can enter to win a Don Shula autographed book. I have a hundred points at least. Oh there you go. 100 points to enter. It ends in five days, and it's 100 points to enter to try to win it. And then there's I'll forget a thousand and run points. out of time and never enter. So There's 1,000 points to enter to win a Jake Long or a Randy Starks autograph, and 3,000 points to win a Brian Hartline autograph, 1,000 points for Sean Smith, and 5,000 points for Cameron Wake. So it's interesting. Jake Long is only 1,000 points. Just saying, are they trying to tell us something? But okay, so that's all I'm talking. That's all I'm talking about on the Dolphins website right now. That's that I'm scrolling around, seeing what else there is out there. Um. Hmm. Okay then, that's nothing. So what else do we have to talk about today? Um. I just I just noticed the comment where somebody complained that the logo change is being made because of money. And I guess they failed to tell that person the NFL is a business. I, I kind of, uh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. I am perfectly okay with them changing it. They could come out and tomorrow and say, you know what? This is the reason we're changing it. We want to make more money. Because I of look course at it, they do. That's my response in there is, you know what? 
let them make more money because they're going to turn around and use that money to make the stadium better or make the experience better or something. Because if they're, if they're making zero money, these things that we all know that have to happen with the stadium aren't going to happen. But Because we all know that the city and the state and the counties aren't going to want to fork out billions of dollars after what just happened with uh, with the Marlins. So <laughs> let them change the logo. And you know what? Uh, they'll still get my money because it's my team, and I will support them every single time. I will be upset if it's a horrible-looking thing, but you know what? I will uh, – I will uh, – I will spend the money. That's what I'm trying to say. I was reading the comments on there right now. CT writes, yep, a new logo effects play on the field, like the orange carpet, celebrity owners, clubs in the stadium, not playing the old fight song after scores. I just don't get it. Well, first off, the fight song after scores, Jeff or Stephen Ross came in and flat out said, I don't like that one. I want to change it. He changed it. It sucked. People hated it. They've gone back to the old one. Clubs in the stadium, celebrity owners, orange carpet. How does that have any effect of what happens on the field? It doesn't. Exactly. You can throw the orange carpet out there and let people walk down the orange carpet to walk into the stadium. Great. That's awesome. What is that doing on the field? Nothing. I I, I, I dare to guess that many of the players are unaware that a lot of that crap's even going on. It has nothing to do yeah, exactly. with the play on the field because they because they're not they don't they don't you know, they don't enter on an orange carpet. They come in you know, they cut they drive their car up there and they go in and they yep. you know, warm up for the game and they're focused on the game. They don't care that Fergie's in the stands or I mean it doesn't matter. And the club in the state the club in the stadium. Great. If you paid the money to go to the stadium and then you went into the club and you didn't watch the game, what did that do to the people on the field? I mean the only thing that did was stop you from being out there yelling for the team. I saw I saw That's someone say once hate. that all these celebrities were distraction for the players, and I, and the only thing I can think of is it hasn't hurt the Lakers over all these years. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think whatever. that these? Do you think that the the only time that the players ever see a celebrity is if they're an owner of the team? I mean, these are millionaires. Who do millionaires hang out with? Other millionaires. Or, or that the receivers are not running the right routes because man, I don't, I, I you know. I just saw Fergie in the stands. Yeah. Hey, hey, there's Serena Williams. I'm going to run over there towards her so she can look at me in my uniform and my helmet and can't see my face. You know, I would actually start to be more worried about that if Stephen Ross started getting, like, strippers and porn stars to to be minority owners. (laughs) Then I would start worrying about that. With people like Serena Williams and Fergie, I'm not worried about it. I just thought of that scene in The Replacements when they – and the strippers as the cheerleaders, and the whole team is just like looking over at them. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously, if the players don't get distracted by the cheerleaders, they're not going to get distracted by Fergie and her her oversinging of the national anthem. Um, yeah, but I, I think part of the issue there is that with. Twofold, one's kind of silly and, and one not so much. The first thing is, if people think that that Stephen Ross is using money that he could otherwise use for the team to do this stuff, which is silly, then I could see that as a problem. The other thing is, 
is that they fans are afraid that he's more concerned with with the image and all this other stuff and not building a a winning team. Even though he's come out and said, I'm a fan, I want to build a winning team. You know, so it's like I want to build a winning team, but he's also a businessman and he wants to make money, so he's thinking, Hey, let's change the logo, I can sell a few hats and jerseys, I'll put a club in the stadium, get these celebrity owners, I'll get people to come up and watch the team, you know, and use this money that doesn't have any effect on, on the money I spend on the team or on the players. You know, I think that I think the fans are just the fans that are upset about this are just worried that he's not he's more concerned with that stuff than he is with the product he's putting out on the field, which doesn't seem seem accurate. No, because what good does it do him to have a losing team? It does absolutely nothing, and it prevents him from making more money. He wants the best product he can possibly put on the field, and I think that I think that you're you're right on there. It, that's where the Bill Parcells thing came in. He came in and said, okay, I have Bill Parcells, who is my football operations guy. So I will trust him to do the football side of the operation, and I'll focus on the admin side. And then Parcells left, and he didn't have that guru of football operations now. So now he's trying to make the decisions without somebody to help guide him, which ends up meaning he does things like fly out to Stanford to go – interview people while he still has a head coach. So I, th- I think that's where it is. And look, if this was baseball and the New York Yankees were losing every single year, but the Steinbrenners were putting clubs into uh, Yankee Stadium, maybe I'd have an issue with it. But in football, there's a salary cap. It's not like he can turn around and go, you know what, rather than building that, I'm going to dump the, say, $2 million it costs to build that state that club I'm going to dump that into my team and go buy another player. He can't do that. I mean, there's set rules for what money you can use, how you can use the money, and how much of the money you can use. So, I mean, and like James said, the guy's worth $4.2 billion now. Is that what you said, somewhere around there? Yeah, I, I, I think we're having more money. Gives him, it does, on occasion, give him an, an advantage over maybe, you know, like you hear Jerry Jones was a little tight last year because yeah. – the economy downturn, and he's making all the payments on the stadium, and he didn't have a lot of money for upfront, you know, bonuses. So, let's say you know Miami and and Dallas are after the same player, and Miami can offer a bigger signing bonus because they can afford to give the guy, you know, ten or twelve million upfront. The Cowboys are looking at right. giving him four or five because yep. they're so strapped for cash right now. They're both going to they're both going to spend up the salary cap, but the way the new numbers are calculated, and I don't think most fans actually understand how that works, is that you have to spend up to the. You only have to spend up to the to the cap that percentage. That's actual money spent that year. Yeah. So if you give somebody a big bonus, they actually get that. That money actually went out of your account. So that actually counts towards that percentage, which is crazy. Yeah. But that's how that's how the calculations actually work, as far as the percentage. Now the cap dollars are figured totally different. But that's just crazy. That's what confuses people because. They're based on the same number, and yet they're not the same number. Right. But, yeah, uh, it makes it fun. Like, and you don't want an owner like, um, I can't think of his name, but the guy that owns the Bengals. I mean, I've read plenty of stuff from the Bengals fans that are, that are they complain about their owner all the time because he doesn't want to spend any money on anyone. I mean, all he cares about is, 
you know, he, he's trying to, he's penny pinching, trying to save his own, you know, save his money and not not spend anything. And so he he's one of those, like James was talking about, where he spends the necessary cash he has to to meet the limit, but they always have, like, a bunch of cap room, and he never goes out and buys these big-time free agents. And I don't think he has that with Ross. Ross is the kind of guy that's look. I know that I took, you know, I can spend what I have to, but I'm going to put a team on the field, and that's how I'm going to make money. He's not trying to pinch his pennies. And, you know, you're talking about the whole Parcells thing. I remember, I think it was the 2010 draft, they showed a picture of the Miami Dolphins' war room, and it was Sperano, Ireland, and Parcells. If you look last year, it was Ross, Ireland, and Philbin. So now, at the time, you know, it was Parcells doing all the football stuff, and Ross wasn't involved. So what was he supposed to do, just sit around and twiddle his thumbs? No, he's going to go out and think, all right, he's handling all the football stuff. I'm going to go out and see what other avenues I can do to generate cash around this team, hence the club and the orange carpet and all that mess. Now that that Parcells is not there, he's more involved with the team stuff. So I think, you know, if he was still worried about the club and the orange carpet stuff now, I'd be a little concerned. But now what do you see him? He would be in a press conference and talking about, I want to win you know, we need to do this, talking about the draft and free agency and all that stuff. I think now he realizes, all right, now that Parcells is gone and it's my name on the line, I'm going to get more involved in terms of the actual football stuff, whereas before he didn't have to. So, you know, I think people weren't paying attention to that kind of stuff. Uh, it just, I just looked it up on in Forbes. Stephen Ross is at $4.4 billion as of September. He, he's number 83 in the Forbes 400 wealthiest Americans. Yeah, and he was at, he was at I think in like March of that of last year he was at like 3.1 like you said. Yeah. So he he made that he made that leap over that very short period of time. Um, it's a lot yeah. of money to make. In 2010 apparently his net worth went down 1.6 billion as the real estate market crumbled. But he's, yeah, but now climbing back up. He's rebounded <laughs> just fine. Yeah. I just, can you imagine you've lost $1 billion and you're still okay? <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. owning $1 billion. So I, don't know. Just, I, I can't think about losing it. <laughs> I mean, whew, that's, a, that's a nice chunk of change. I think the only owner in the NFL richer than him is Allen of Seattle, isn't it? Isn't that the only guy with more money than than Ross right now? That sounds right. Because I know I, I know he's sure. got a lot more mon- money than Jones or what's his name up in Washington. I can't think of anyone else who's got that kind of money. September fifth, twenty twelve. The NFL's billionaire owners from Forbes. Um, and, Allen, and, and Paul Allen. And Allen's, Allen's like one of the richest billion. people. Period in the world. Yeah, he has Paul Allen, Microsoft co-founder, has 15 billion. Um, running a distant second to Allen is Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, who's at 4.4 billion. Um, right behind Ross is Rams owner Stan Kroenke, or however you say his name, has 4 billion. Tampa Bay's Malcolm Glazer has 3.6. Cowboys Jerry Jones is 2.7. And Jacksonville's con has 2.5. And Jerry Jones doesn't have anything because all his money's tied up in that stadium. <laughs> all his value is that stadium and that team. 
If you need proof that deep-pocketed ownership doesn't necessarily translate into wins, check Florida. The owners of the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Bucks, worth a collective $10.5 billion, won a combined 15 of 48 games last season. So this was in September, so that's 2011 season that they're talking about. But yeah, ouch, that kind of hurts. In fact, only four of 18 billionaire owners, Tom Benson, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, and Ursay, have won Super Bowls. Interesting. Yeah, but again, it goes back to the whole baseball thing. I mean, you know, in baseball, being rich and being super rich and having more money pays off in that regard. In football, it doesn't. Football, you have to be, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you throw out there to guys like Brandon Marshall if you're drafting guys like Mark Sanchez. So, I mean, it's just a different dynamic. So, that whole thing about being a rich owner, You've got teams in baseball that do fairly well on a on a pretty small payroll. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, you just have to be really you have to be really smart about it. You know, you've got you've got Oakland that never spends a whole lot of money and they're always competitive. So it's it's management there. And then, but then you have the Yankees that you know they win more than anyone else because they can just spend four times what everybody else spends. Well, guys, we are a little over an hour and a half in the show, so go ahead, since the callers seem to have stopped. Um, I don't know. I'm not in the live thread right now, so I don't know if we've picked up some comments there. Um, But I'll go ahead and send it around. James, you got anything on your mind? Um, I think Duke needs to get his uh, profile sent in as well. He does need uh, to do that. As well as Keith and uh, Martin, if you're listening, you need to send yours in and um, Brian and who else? Who am I Brian. Listening? Yeah, Brian. Both, both Brian. Both um. Brian's. <laughs> hey, dog. Yeah. Come on, people. Good lord. <laughs> um. Okay. If you'd like, I'll doc- I'll doctor yours up for you too. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix yours <laughs> up real nice. <laughs> Are you saying you don't like mine? It's just it's just not exciting. Yeah. We could we could, we could really we could really it up. So so you guys know what we're talking about right now. On the site where normally if you click on somebody's name, it takes you to their profile that shows you like how many comments they've made and all that kind of stuff. Well, for the authors, one of the new things that we've been given is a chance to put like a bio up there. So anywhere on the site, if you click on my name or on James' name right now, you'll see our bios up there. And it's a different page. And then from there, you can click in to see how many comments or anything by hitting SB Nation profile. But uh, the other authors right now, we're still working on getting their bios together so that we don't have the uh, just the boring SB Nation profile. But you can learn a little bit more about us, like how uh, James officially joined the Finsider in March of 2009 after, for, after a few months of lurking in a creepy fashion reading. So uh, that's uh, just, just so you know, that's what he's talking about. Just click on my name or on James' name, and you'll see more of what uh, what he's talking about and needing the bios from people. So just so you don't think that we're just going crazy and talking about stuff that we don't know. And apparently, Christina Aguilera's eyes are sparkly. Oh, 
what that means. I, I just looked up at my TV, which is still on the People's Choice Awards because I haven't bothered to change the channel, and Christina Aguilera's eyes are sparkly. She apparently has, like, glitter eyeshadow on or something, and it's really weird looking. But, um, yeah. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> hey, PZ's leaving, so we can stop the show now. <laughs> talk about talk about an old school CKC reference. <laughs> yes, I don't think very many people probably get that. Uh, they probably don't. <laughs> I didn't hear it. What do you say? See, uh, PZ is leaving, so now we can stop the show. Way back Duke, when uh, during the CKC, Duke may not even know that one. Yeah, he may not know that rule. Way back when, guys, when we we used to do a nightly cool kids club, CKC, and that was basically it was it was like the random threads that James does every day, but it was less cinema rated R. Yeah, it was it was, was less PG thirteen, more R rated. So, uh, but every night, every morning, uh, Maddie, because it was under when he was doing it, Maddie would go in and just hide it and it would go away and we we discuss everything in there well we started making rules and one of the rules was when PZ who is El Presidente zero zero when he entered a show or when he entered a CKC nobody was allowed to leave before he left and so the PZ rule was that well he just in the live thread for tonight's show wrote that all right, fellows. All right, fellas, I'm Audi, which I don't know why he wrote Audi, but we'll, we'll we'll question him about that next time. But now that he's leaving, I guess we can stop the show. <laughs> that was an old school CKC reference. Wow. The sad thing is, I've been around the site long enough that I can say something was old school. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the new folks. I think we need to have one of those just to kind of have like a. You know, like how some of these, you know, some places will have like retro 80s night. I think we need to have retro Insider night and have a CKC and <laughs> see, if we can, see if we can hit the 2000 comment mark again. <laughs> those were, yeah, guys, those those threads in one night, we would have two 2,500 2, comments. It, it was madness. Uh, it, it was so much fun, but it was madness. And I don't know, I think part of it is... Um, I think part of it is the fact that we do the random live threads now every night just so we can hang out and talk about whatever. But I think part of it is we just – it's a different crew now. And a lot of the uh, – The lot core of, of the CKC is not around yeah, anymore. a lot of those older guys aren't still on the site or they at least aren't on the site as much anymore. But those – Well, you have, guys, those, you have guys like Miami has the Dolphins who's, you know – He's kind of got a real job now, and he's, you know, he doesn't have time. He, he's not just going to school part-time like he was. Yeah. And, Nick, you know, Nicky finally got a job. He's he's a real human being now. So, um, it's kind of like a real boy. And we've got to put aside the childish he is, He's a real boy. That's that's what it is. He's a real boy now. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right, Duke. It, it It is. It's like we've grown up as a site, and we don't do the CKCs as much anymore. And then, and then, I, know, and then, I think that my, we did the podcast and got off on the uh, the Ron Burgundy Anchorman quote. 
that was uh, probably a question who's come to a CKC in a while. Go check, go check my profile. There's another, uh, there's another will, uh, there's another quote in there or reference that you'll that you'll enjoy. Sadly, apparently PZ prefers Twitter over us nowadays to get Dolphins info. Yeah, it's it's that's not cool. I wonder if he follows me. PZ, you have to tell me if you follow me. But um, I don't think he uh, follows. Probably Nobody follows not. me. I can't even no, get a hundred followers. I don't think I follow you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you actually do follow me. Dang it! I gotta fix that. I would, I'm pretty sure I, he doesn't I follow would, me. I only have like twenty-four followers. I'm pretty sure I follow you, don't I, dude? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Man. Do I like? I'm one twenty-fourth of of Duke's fan base. That 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 is something to be proud of. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big fan of Duke, actually. <laughs> Thank you. You're talking about the, uh, you know, the, the profile things which I work on my. It's just, tonight's actually been the first night I've been able to get on my, uh, been on my computer long enough to actually do something. But um, I found the Finsider. Through an old, I had an old Sprint phone, and it, had an, it wasn't really necessarily an app, like the way we think of apps today. But it was an old, it was like the NFL and Sprint for Sprint phone, and they would have stuff, and you would go and look at Dolphins news, and and it had this, it was linked to SB Nation, and it would go to that, it would say the Finsider, and I, it would only do front page posts, so I would read some stuff. You know, I, I think I remember. This will go way back, but. I think I remember one of the things I read was about Antrell Roll saying he wanted to come to the Dolphins. And uh, so actually I went from there and I and I, I read it. On, I was planning on looking at it on my phone and I thought, you know, that's just a real website. So I'm going to go look at it. And then after that I became a member shortly thereafter. And my first post was about we should trade for Calvin Johnson. So, needless to say, I think I have improved since then. <laughs> I will say... Uh... First off, Duke, you have 26 followers, not 24. Oh, okay. And secondly, I am one of those 26, and I did not just add you. I already was following you. I had to look it up Bitch to make it. sure. But, yes, I yes, am. Yes, because I remember, I remember you retweeted my uh, my comment from Mark. I, uh, I tried to I sent a comment to uh, Jeff Darlington. It was the night the Jets play the Titans, and he was talking about how bad Mark Sanchez is quarterback rating was, and I said, yes, and I said, Brandon Fields, the punter for the Dolphins, threw one in the stands, and he had the higher <laughs> passer rating. That's right. You retweeted that. And just for the record, if you pull open the Earl's, uh, the Earl 007's followers, the first person that's following him in that list is Little Nicky. Sweet. <laughs> what a great... I'm going to get on Twitter and look at this. What a great but, but, you, but, 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 but the problem with that is little Nicky only counts as half a follower. Uh, that's true. So that means somebody else is another half a follower. I mean, yes. But, well, since uh, I'm sure this is riveting radio, <laughs> Duke, you got anything else for tonight? <laughs> um, only a request. I think we need to get uh, Freight Train Shane on the show at some point. 
Hello? <laughs> I'm still here. Oh, my phone went blank for a minute. You still there, Kevin? Hello? I'm still here. I don't know where Kevin is. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and close close the show then and say goodnight because I can't hear Kevin. You can't hear Kevin. Kevin could probably hear us, but we can't hear him. So. Uh, can you guys hear me? You got any? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, you're back. You're back. I, I, don't I was going to close the show out because we, we thought you'd vanished. No, I, I could hear you guys the whole time. I don't know where I went. <laughs> I'm, like, answering and nobody's saying anything to me and I'm... <laughs> I was, I'm the kid. Like, now I guess we'll wrap, this, we'll wrap this up without Kevin. Oh. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up then. <laughs> All right, man. But you guys, thanks for calling in. Uh, to Martin and to Mike, thank you for calling in tonight. Um, hopefully yeah, everybody awesome. enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, I, I, I'll talk to these guys and – I kind of want to move the time of the show, but I'm not really sure what will work for them, what will work best for the site. So we'll, we'll we'll discuss some things and probably put up a post sometime during the next week if we do end up deciding to move the show. But uh, be with us on Friday night at 11.30 Eastern Time for the uh, Google Hangout. Duke is uh, in there with me usually, and Keith is working on being able to get into that show. So... Uh, We'll be back Friday night to talk some more dolphins, anything you guys want to talk about. And everybody have a good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.